Hey, get your Bibles open to Matthew's Gospel real quick. And uh, I'm going to be reading a familiar story that I'm sure a lot of you are already aware of. Many of the details. It's a familiar story about Peter walking on the water. But I want to talk for a few moments. We're still in January. Can you believe it's the last Sunday of January? Have mercy. Things are escaping me. And uh, I've got to get on the stick. But I believe there's a word here in the first month of 2011 that uh, I believe if you have ears to hear, God's going to use it and just help you set the tone for the rest of this great year. I've entitled the message this morning, Out of the Box. Out of the box. You didn't know you were in one, did you? Well, we're going to do our best to spring you out of the box. We're going to be reading out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading with verse 22. Again, familiar story, but listen as we just remind ourselves of this great account. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. The word made means great great compulsion. He, he really wasn't giving them a suggestion. He was telling them, this is what you need to do. He was literally setting them up for something. When he was making them do this, there was an intention in his mind. He was setting them up for something. This wasn't just some activity that coincidentally happened and he will eventually move in. But Jesus is trying to teach his disciples something here by making them get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat. Now we're back to the boat. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. In fact, the word for fear there literally means they feared what was going on. There was just a general fear of circumstance. But uh, apparently the word has greater context because they were just afraid. They're seeing some something, some apparition or something in the distance that they're thinking is a ghost moving towards them in the middle of a contrary wind. I mean, there's just... All sorts of reasons to be fearful. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said one word, come. <laughs> this isn't in my notes, I'll just say this. You don't need endless prophecies from the Lord in order to do something supernatural and miraculous. If you get one word from the Lord, just one word, it's amazing what you can do with it. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then verse 33, I am going to come to this hopefully later. It says, then, (laughs) I just, I smile. Listen to what it says. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him. I just started chuckling at that point. Because they just watched this whole thing take place. None of them are jumping out of the boat. They're all kind of just scoping the whole deal out. And then once it's all over, Jesus is in the boat. The, the wind ceases. The storm stops. It's no longer a ghost, but it really is their Lord and their Master. And then they worship. Aren't they full of courage? In faith, then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God out of the box. Whenever I read this account of Peter walking on the water, to me, it's an illustration of what it means to get out of a box, to break the boundaries of whatever it is that's holding you into a place that may be familiar or comfortable And it's true in our story that only Peter was the one that got out of the boat that day. But I personally believe, and this is, you know, we could debate this, but I personally believe that everyone could have gotten out of the boat that day. See, the difference between Peter and the other 12 was simply the fact that he was ready to get out of his box. Now, it's interesting because as you begin to read through Scripture, you'll find very quickly both Under the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, you will find God's people having to get out of their box. Having to step out of their boat. And whenever they begin to step out of these boundaries or move beyond these limitations, it is then you begin to see God move in their life in an amazing way. Can you imagine being Noah? And and I'm not talking about Pastor Noah now. I'm talking about... The Noah. Now, he may be the Noah in some circles, but this we're talking about Bible Noah. Imagine being Noah, building an ark, looking at people who are asking what you are doing as you're building this ship, and you look at them and you tell them it's going to rain and it's going to flood the earth, and they've never seen rain before. Now, think about that. Are you not out of your box if you're Noah? You're building a ship... Now you understand why people were laughing. What's rain? I mean, well, Noah goes, well, I think it's the stuff that's going to fall from the sky. And they're looking at him go, yeah, yeah, like that's happened before. But yet there he is having to get out of a box in order to prepare and for God to do some supernatural things in his life. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned to you Abraham. We were talking about the vision thing and how God had to bring Abraham out of his tent and point him at the stars toward the stars in the sky and say, so shall your descendants be. And we mentioned to you how Abraham had to come out of literally his tent, get out of this box, this limitation. And God showed him the vast expanse of of the stars as he spoke promise to him. And it was out of this that that Abraham packed up his family. And the scripture says that he went to a land that he knew not, not knowing where he was going in order to receive an inheritance. So he had to get out of a box in order to get to where God could do something supernatural in his life. Moses, I I can't go through everybody, but Moses, here's Moses, slow of speech, doesn't have his act together. 
gets kicked out of Egypt. God speaks through a burning bush, tells him that he's the man that's going to go back and lead five million people out of Egyptian bondage. How many of you know Moses had to get out of a box? Joshua then is the one that leads the people into the promised land. He's the one that crosses the Jordan. He's the one that's going to lead the people in facing the giants. He's the one in believing God for war strategy with regards to Jericho and the crumbling of the walls. How many of you know that to look at people and to say to them, be quiet, five million people. Have mercy. We can't gather several hundred and me go and expect everyone to even do that for 60 seconds. Five million people telling them we're going to march and everybody's going to be quiet. And then the seventh time, we're all going to scream our brains out and God's going to bring down the walls. How many of you know there are a lot of folks out of their box that day? That's an out of the box scenario. Paul praying over hankies and aprons, sending them out, telling people as these hankies and aprons, just, just as they're on their sick bed, lay that hanky on them and they'll get healed. How many of you know that's out of the box? Out of the box. I can go on and on out of the box stories. And if you and I are interested in seeing God do miraculous things in our life, then it might be good to understand that we're going to have to get out of our box. You know, God doesn't mind us being in some boxes. There's a sense of comfort, I would suppose, a sense of rest, a sense of safety. I don't think he's against these things. I don't think these things are evil. But I do believe this, that God wants to move when you find yourself out of settings you can control. He wants to move when you find yourself outside of the familiar to where you have to utterly and completely and totally trust in Him. Now here in our story, Jesus, Scripture tells us, wants to spend some time alone praying. And He makes His disciples get into a boat. I already mentioned to you that He's wanting to drive a point home. And, and, and think about this for just a second. Now, they all weren't fishermen, but a number of them were fishermen. And so when it came to boats, these guys probably knew better than anyone what it was they were going to do and needed to do. I mean, they'd, they'd created a business around boats. They understood how boats worked. They understood how to sail boats. They understood all the dynamics of being on a boat because of their fishermen background and 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 so they're experts and so i was just thinking that there were a few of them at least on that boat that probably could run the boat with their eyes closed i mean this was fairly familiar territory i think i put on the screen overhead that boat if you just want to use the analogy i think it represents the familiar and the controllable the knowable the comfortable the safe place that you're quite used to and there are things in all of our lives that are like a boat to us for some of us, our boats are our jobs, our friends, our family, our circle of relationships, our family uh, situations, and our financial situations. Some of our boats are the city we live in, the way we serve God, the way we look at life. A boat or a box really is those established boundaries of life that you are very, very familiar and comfortable with. Now, I've got my own boxes, my own boats as well. You know, I have ways of doing ministry. I have a philosophy of 
of church life. There's a structure. There, there are things that I have understood through the years that are nice and neat and tidy. And uh, they can become boxes or they can become boats uh, to me. But the boat is a safe place. It's a safe place that you can handle easily. And listen one more time. The boat isn't evil. I'm not saying your boat is evil. But I am saying it's your comfort zone. And there are moments that Jesus comes walking our way and He calls us out of a comfort zone. You see, some of our boats here have become our boxes. And we have walled out of our life things like faith. We have so boxed ourselves in that all of life is controllable that there's no longer any aspect of faith to our walk anymore. There's no sense of risk. And can I just say this? That, that there is an element of risk that's associated with faith. You can't walk by faith and it not be risky on occasion. We have so boxed ourselves in with our life and just our boats and our safety that there's no spontaneity no miracles, no supernatural, no extraordinary. And what happens is, is the very place we think is a safe place is not so much a safe place, but rather it has become a place of confinement. I suggest to you that some of our boxes we think are so safe are actually prisons that are keeping us from seeing God do amazing things in our lives. It's a place that's limited you and trapped you. And truth be told, miracles have dried up and they have ceased in your life. Why? And we cry out, why, oh God, won't you do a miracle? God's saying, I'm not going to work in your box. But when you step out of your box, there you'll find me. There you'll find me. And that's exactly, I believe, what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. So he comes walking on the water. He's going to challenge them to get out of their box. And I believe that 2011... Is going to be the year that Jesus is going to challenge us as a people and as a church that we're going to have to leap out of some of our boxes. I believe it's time. This is why. I believe it's time for notable miracles to start taking place in the life of God's people and in the life of His church. You know, even this morning as we worship God, and, and I always come with a sense of order. I believe that there should be order in the house of God. I usually have a structure of how the worship service unfolds. I believe God can work in that. I don't have any problem believing that God can't move through order and that God can use things that are prepared beforehand in order to present to the people that He can anoint and use. I believe all of those things. But there comes a moment if God shows up and He calls a timeout in the middle of worship service and says, I want to heal people. Stop your service. Stop the singing. Anoint them with oil. We're going to jump out of the box. And if we hadn't have done that, there'd have been no healing this morning. Are you following me? Now, it doesn't work that way maybe every Sunday. Because what you do is then you want to create what just happened as your next box. Well, if you did it that way, then I'll just create a new one. But the truth is, is that God wants to do some notable things. Some of you want to be used by God. You would say to me, you'd say, Pastor, I want to be used by God. I, I want to be able to, to see God work in me and, and, and use me and, and do something notable or miraculous or supernatural. Can I just ask you, who's your assignment? Have you got on your knees and said, Lord, maybe my assignment is outside my box. 
Maybe God's going to bring someone into your life that you didn't expect. And that's what you're going to have. You're going to have to step out of the box and into their life for God to do something miraculous. It's like my wife. I, I tell you, she's just she's a great illustration of it. Some lady she's never met in her life calls her on the phone, needs some ministry. You know, we've talked about it. Life's busy. It's not like I'm I'm not looking for devils. I mean, I got enough coming my direction that I don't have to generate anymore. But there comes a moment when you have to say to yourself, maybe this is one of those step out of the boat, get out of the box situations in order to see God move miraculously. Some of you need financial miracles. Well, you got to get out of the box of your register. When are you going to let God in these things? You know, we say the saying to have what you never had, you have to do what you've never done. You've heard that, right? Can I just, I'll, I'll just simplify that. It's God saying, get out of the box. If you want something you've never seen, you're going to have to step out from your comfortability and begin to implement maybe something you've never done before. Now, I'm going to give you just a couple things real quick here, some precepts about getting out of your box. I think if you'll write them down, keep them before you, go through 2011 with these things in your mind, I believe God can do some notable things in your life. This year, number one, some precepts about getting out of your box. Number one, I want you to know that when God asks you, when Jesus asks you to step across the line and out of your box, conditions are never perfect. Isn't it interesting that Peter was called out of the boat during a contrary wind, the scripture says. So there's a contrary wind means that there's a, there's a hard-blowing gale that's happening out on the midst of this sea. Can I just say, it's just, it's just not water walking. Yeah, water walking weather. I mean, if you were going to plan some water walking, you would probably hold off till the next day or two when the wind died down. That would be a better water walking situation. And also, it's interesting to me that it was in an unusual location. I mean, if we were going to walk on water, I tell you, we, we, you know, we could do this just a few feet from the shore. I'd still be on the water. And if something went wrong, I'd still be close enough. See? See? But no, 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 no. Jesus made sure they were in the middle of the sea. Unusual location. And interestingly, it was at an unusual time. It was smack dab in the middle of the night. Now, folks, I'm just going to share this with you. If you want pastor full of faith, it's probably better to get him about 11 a.m. than it is at 3 a.m. I mean, I'm laying before the Lord at 3 a.m., but it ain't, it, it, it ain't to get faith. So this wasn't the best time. So think about that. There's, there's an unusual situation, circumstance with the wind. There's an unusual location. You're in the middle of the sea. It's an unusual time for this water walking to have taken place. Can I just share this with you? When God calls you out of your boat, you will rarely find the perfect conditions. It's never perfect to break out of your box. 
It's never everything's lined up, just absolutely like you have to have it. And somehow in the church and in Christian life in general, we have generated this whole doctrine. Where it came from, I don't know. But it's almost like if everything's just perfect, then it must be God for me to do it. Well, I'm here to tell you that ain't Bible, man. Sometimes ain't nothing going right. And all you've got is a word from God. I'll never forget, I've told these stories a thousand times, but I remember back in 1989, I got filled with the Spirit in 1989, speaking in tongues, I got the whole deal. Can I just share with you, at that particular moment in the denomination I was a part of, that was not a timely happening. I wasn't in the right time, it wasn't the right place, it wasn't the right circumstance, I was in California... And yet that's when God started calling us out of our box. And so we knew now that this happening took place in our life that we were going to have to make some adjustments because, you know what, I don't believe, I don't believe in stealth Christianity. I'm just, I'm just not there. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to act like I'm throwing stones, but I don't get this business of putting the Holy Ghost on some, in some Wednesday night classroom somewhere and don't let anybody know on Sunday morning that's who you are. And maybe if they hang around long enough, they'll figure it out and then by that time they're okay with it. Hey, we are Holy Spirit people. I just call that truth in advertising. And I'm just not, I'm just not a stealthy kind of guy. You know, it's just, you're going to kind of, I am what I am. I can't keep it in. It's going to come out. I knew there weren't many sermons left in me before this stuff was going to start coming out and there was going to be a major problem. So, well, what did you do, pastor? Well, I had to start asking the Lord, you know, about, you know, where am I going to minister? How's this going to work? And he wasn't talking a whole lot. And her Dad, my father-in-law was in an automobile accident in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And so you've heard the story. We packed everything up in our name and put it on a rider truck. We couldn't even get everything we owned on that rider. I literally had to rent a dumpster and we threw the kitchen table into the dumpster because it wouldn't fit in the truck. I had $300 to my name. I got across the country on a credit card that I was praying wasn't reaching its limit. I mean, it was, it was a sad scenario. And the whole time I'm going, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't understand this. I, I, I don't get this. And, and we came to Spartanburg and, uh, there's so many wonderful details that I could burn up so much time telling you, but I'll just, I'll just tell you this, that within almost 24 hours of landing in Spartanburg, we ran into people that was just a divine appointment and a moment doors flew open for us. All of a sudden, uh, we were hired and were able to be put on at a great mega church that was spirit filled. I learned so many wonderful, important lessons as I was there. And, uh, you know what it all, but it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have seen those miracles. I wouldn't have seen those open doors. I wouldn't have seen any of those things unless I dared to believe that I could do all of this and God would show up. Now, listen to me through the years. I've had pastors call me on the phone. And they'll say, well, Brother Baird, I uh, see, you know, you've acclimated yourself into this uh, new area of spirit-filled existence. And, you know, God's working on me about this stuff. And I'm wondering if you could help me make a smooth transition from where I currently am to where I could be in the ministry here. And I love them. I know what they're trying to say. God bless them. But I, I simply say on the phone, dude, there ain't no such thing as a smooth transition. What you're wanting is something that appeases your flesh. 
that makes you comfortable. You want to stay in your box and, and have the, the big fancy moving company pick your box up and take you to your new location and you never have to break out of that box. That ain't going to happen, friend. God's going to look at you and say, kick down the walls, get your knapsack on, and you're going to a land that you know not. Not knowing where you're going. I'm just giving you truth in advertising. See, you're wanting miracles, right? You're wanting the supernatural. You're wanting something that's not ordinary. I'm, I'm giving you some insight here that conditions will never be perfect. I remember when Legacy started up. Have mercy. We didn't have a paper clip to our name. Can I just say this to you? I, I had said for years, some of you know this, I said for years, I would never start a church. I said that for years. And now, and now my precept is that whenever you say never, there is something in the throne room that happens to God himself. He hears that never. And he goes, did I hear a never? Oh, Kevin said never. But I've got a blank contract here that he signed years ago. That he wanted my will. That he wanted my ways. He just signed it blank and said I could fill in anything I wanted to fill in. And now he says that he's not going to do something. Let's see about that. But I'm telling you, despite the contrary winds and the challenges and all the things that I could tell you by way of stories about not being perfect timing, perfect conditions, perfect situation, not having a dime, not having a paper clip. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't photocopy nothing. I mean, we were we were doing everything by hand. I mean, it was pitiful. But can I share this with you? I saw miracles I would have never seen if I would have stayed in my box. Conditions will never be perfect. And i got to remind myself of this as we build a new church that we're going to have to step out of some boxes, folks. Conditions may not be perfect, but God will move. i got to hurry. Number two, got to recognize God's voice in the storm. Isn't it interesting that Peter just didn't dive in on a whim? He heard the voice of God. You see, there are people more than willing to take a step, but they hadn't heard God's voice. And so they presume. Can I just share, I have, I have hung around church people long enough to know that, that some people never move unless there's perfect conditions. But there are others who are jumping off cliffs constantly. I mean, you have some who you can't pry out of their boat. But then you have others, you're constantly bailing out of the sea. Because they're jumping over the edge. Can I just share this with you? I'm all for risk-taking, but a Christian's risk-taking is based on obedience to what God has said. It's not just my personal whim or emotion. If you quit your job and you say, Pastor, I'm breaking out of my box. I'm quitting my job. I'll rejoice with you, but I just want you to know, did God call you to do that? 
Or are you using a message like this one to simply get you out of a difficult situation that God may be trying to work with you in? Come on, this isn't about spiritual bungee jumping or hang gliding. This isn't about getting into your pacer and going chasing tornadoes through the Midwest. This is about discipleship. This is about whether or not you'll hear the voice of God and you'll respond to the voice of God. Jesus said, come. Peter had a word. I don't know if they didn't hear it, the rest of them. I don't know if they disobeyed it. I don't know the dynamics. Maybe, maybe only Peter heard. I can only guess. But when Peter stepped over the edge, he'd heard the word, come. Conditions weren't ideal. The key was not the circumstances. The key was the voice. I've heard the voice. So we got to recognize God's voice. Number three, you've got to also realize that statistically few people ever step out. This was not a water walking party. You may not have noticed that. They, 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 weren't, they weren't crowding into the line to bust out of this particular box. In fact, one out of 12 took the shot. I, I, I'm not good at math, but I operate a calculator pretty good. 8% of the boat stepped out. Now, I tell you this because when your moment comes to break out, don't expect everyone to get it. In fact, I can envision everybody probably being rather critical of Peter as he's jumping out of the boat. I can imagine them sitting around there saying, oh, look at Peter. Oh, yeah, Peter, he's always impetuous. He's always, he's always, always showing off. Always out there. Always doing, you know, just doing his thing. I, I mean, I can hear him kind of murmuring amongst themselves. But I'll just share this one more time. And he's the only one walking on water, dude. My experience has been people have not always understood my faith steps. I've had people all through my life, when I know I've heard from God and I was moving in what I knew to be the Lord, I have had people look at me and try to talk me out of it, try to mitigate it, try to douse it, try to somehow, you know, uh, uh, massage it. And, and, and I'm just telling you that, that statistically most people opt for safe. They, they don't want much risk. And by doing this, you miss miracles. You miss miracles. Number four, expect adversity. Expect adversity. Can you imagine stepping out of the boat and all of a sudden the wind, the contrary wind starts. Peter sees the wind. I, I, I can read his mind. He's saying, what was I thinking? Can I just share this with you? The world is a stormy place. When Satan sees you pressing into a new dimension of God's will or God's activity in your life, he is going to try to discourage you back into that safe place. See, once, once, he's, once he knows that he can no longer, he can no longer steal the, the eternal issues, when, when he realizes that you're going to love God, you're going to serve the Lord, and, and, and your heart is towards the Lord, the only thing left for him to do is to try to keep you in a place where you'll no longer damage his domain of darkness. And that's what he's done to the church, and that's what he's done to Christians, is, is he's kept us safe. He, he's kept us from from even seeking God on doing something outside of the boundaries so God can begin to move in powerful ways again. We've developed theories and doctrines of ease. In fact, there's a, there's a book out there. Uh, it's a current book on favor. And I believe in the favor of God because it's in the Scripture. 
But it's interesting because like the subtitle is something like, you know, learn the effortless, easy way to God's favor. Now, can I just share the book that I'm going to write? I'm going to write the book on the 10 gut-wrenching, sweaty, hard, crucifying the flesh steps on getting to destiny. That's my bestseller. My bestseller is when all hell breaks loose, duck. You know, that's, that's going to be my book. Because every time I pressed into a new level, new level brings new level, new devils. Don't let that scare you. When the big boys start coming after you, it means you're finally pressing into a place where you're doing some good. Amen. You got to expect a little adversity. And then finally, number five, I just believe just there's more precepts here, I'm sure. But this is the last one. You got to be willing to try and potentially fail. The reason we don't break out of box as much is because truth be told, we feel like we got too much to lose. I've always found this to be true. I'm just giving you little insights. I, I believe most people don't move in faith until their pain exceeds their fear. I believe that. That works that way in my life a lot of times. I just reach the pain point where I no longer fear anymore because it couldn't hurt any bad than it hurts at this moment. So I'll just get a new hurt. Might as well. We've got too much to lose. I've often just been amazed at at young people. My, My own son, Clayton, it was an interesting example because, you know, he just packed up and he went to Australia. He went to Hillsong for nearly three years and you know, he just picked up and went, and that was just cool to him. I know, I know uh, 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 Kelly Pruitt did the Africa thing with Peace Corps or AmeriCorps, maybe one of those two. And, 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 you know, she picked up, went to Africa, lived in this village, you know, just slept on dirt ground and huts. And, I, you, know, for, you know, for me, Hampton Inn is about as low as I'm going to go. But, you know, but I just, but, you know, that's just, it amazes me what kids will do. But you know what? I figured it out. You know why young people will just do crazy, outlandish, box-busting things? It's because what are they going to lose? They're going to lose their little 12-inch TV set? No, it's when they start accruing things. You know, Tyler just got his new, you know, high-def 55-inch screen, you know, at home. I guarantee you, man, when that thing gets on the altar, we'll see how many boxes he busts out of. God, you can have me, but I don't, I don't want you touching my HDTV. I, that's just, that's, I got a line here. Once you get something to lose, you don't want to step out anymore. You... Kids haven't accumulated anything. They just, everything they've got where it was given to them. I mean, right now, I mean, they may have a closet full of clothes. They still only wear one pair of jeans and one shirt most of the week. I mean, they could live forever with that one pair of jeans. They don't care. They have got nothing to lose. But not us. No, once we're adults, we got, we got stuff. We got houses and cars and payments. 
And someone's got to pay for the kids to bust out of their box because, you know, they're, they're going to college and they're going to Australia. Isn't it easy for them to go to Australia when you're writing the check? <laughs> uh, they're following God and I'm writing the check. It doesn't seem quite right. But the rest of us, man, we got stuff on the line. Do you understand there were no guarantees for Peter when he crossed the line of the side of the boat? Do you understand that the minute he stepped over the line, he risked getting wet? But do you understand that he had to overcome the risk of getting wet in order to experience the promise of the supernatural? And Peter, for all of his faults, and he had many, and he's always used as the impetuous kind of sanguine, crazy person out there that almost everybody identifies with because he sticks his foot in his mouth, he gets himself in trouble. There's so many illustrations out of Peter's life that we all identify with as to how he was just all over the map at times. But can I just say this about Peter? To his credit, he decided that day in the boat he wasn't going to live with any regret. He had decided that that night when he put his head on the pillow and went to sleep, it was more important for him to have known that he tried getting out of the boat than sitting in the boat safe with everyone else. He wasn't going to live with the what might have been. He wasn't going to live with the, well, I, you know, if, if only, I wonder if I would have tried you know, just doing that job. I wasn't going to make as much money, but I felt like maybe God was in that. He wasn't going to live with the regret of saying no. He wasn't going to live with the regret of wondering what would have happened if God moved on him and he, and he wrote the check or he did the act of obedience or he went across the street and he met that person or he was in line and he felt the prompting of God to begin to visit with that person in a grocery store. He, he wasn't going to live with the regret of wondering what would have happened if only I'd have stepped over the line. I'm going to end with this. It's interesting in verse 32 here. It says this, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Can I just share this with you? You can stop the adversity in your life. All you have to do is jump back in your boat. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of people say, I don't like, I don't like the adversity. I don't like the warfare. I don't like the challenge. How you can stop it all. All you have to do is jump back into the safety of your boat. I, I, I've just thought on occasion about all the adversity I have faced. The adversities that have come my way. The adversities, even pastoring a local church. And it dawned on me that it would all stop if I were to say, oh, let's just stay here in a mall. Do you understand? That's all I'd have to say. I'd just say, let's just stop. Let's just, it's okay. The mall's okay. I don't know about you. It's okay in here. You know, we do pretty good with the heat and the air. All we have to do is just say, I'm just going to stay right where I am. And as soon as you say that, all the adversity will stop. All you have to do is say to yourself, I'm not moving forward. I'm not doing anything more for God. I'm just going to stop right here. And all you have to do is just settle into your box life again. And the adversity will go. Can I just tell you, that's why backsliding seems like it's easier. Because when you backslide, you have no more adversity. You're sliding back into your old, comfortable ways. And then in verse 33, I already mentioned it to you. They said, 
Then those that were in the boat worshipped and said, you are the son of God. I just thought to myself, I mean, I laughed about it and chuckled. And then I I thought, what a bunch, what a bunch of just over-religious hypocrites. When it was all over and they never stepped out, they never took a shot, they never tried, they never even responded. No, 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 no. They were all going to hitchhike on Peter's courage and then say, oh, you are the son of God. Hallelujah. But they never, they never broke out of their box. I don't know about you, uh, the men will identify with this. But at Christmas time, I'll get shirts. And um, I don't know about you, but when you get a shirt, you know how they pack men's shirts in particular? They put about a thousand pins in them. And you know, you have to undo the pins and then it flips open, you undo the pins and then you undo and you got a collar here and this and that. And, the, and I mean, you, you unpack that thing and, uh, and here's the real, this is the, and it bugs me, maybe it doesn't bug anyone else, but what, what bugs me is, is when you get like a shirt like that and you try it on and for whatever reason it doesn't fit or it's not what you want and you got to take it back. Has anybody ever got it back to the way? You wonder how they did it in the first place. They must have experts in China somewhere who are folding these things up and just, you know, maybe they got a machine that does it. But, but this, is, this is the point. It's, it's interesting how once, once you take something like that out of its container, it can never go back in again. Some of you have gotten like computers. You know how they'll put computers in boxes and things like that or other things in boxes. And, and you open the box and you take it out and there's all this styrofoam stuff and you're just doing your thing and you're getting it set up. And then something's broken. And, and then you got to put it all back together again and you're trying to jam it in the box and it never goes back in the box right. The box always goes. Everything that was in it came out of it and back in it, but it didn't fit right. Are you following me? Listen to me, once you break out from where you've been confined, it's impossible to get you to conform back to your original dimension. I had a lady years ago who used to always say to me, she'd say, she'd say, Pastor, I just believe, I just believe that someday, someday, you know, we just, we're it's all going to go back to where we were and it's all going to be happy, and you'll be back to the place you were at. And, and that's what she'd always say. Oh, I just believe, I believe that's God. I believe somehow or another it's all going to work out, and we're all going to fit back together again. And, and I'd look and I'd say, it ain't going to happen. I've been strong. You can't fold me up and get me in there again. The pins are out. The styrofoam's off. That cardboard collar has been ripped off his neck. He's free. Listen. Listen, listen, listen. And I'm done. I'm done with this. Listen. That's why I can't... I, I'm, I'm not... I've got to be so careful how I say this. I can't go back and be a Nazarene anymore. Can't fit into that box. Some of you right now, you struggle so much. 
You're still struggling over your Baptist backgrounds and your Presbyterian backgrounds and your Episcopalian backgrounds and your Catholic backgrounds and all of these backgrounds. And you're consternating over, can I just share something that maybe will really help you? You've been sprung out of that box. You can't fit in that thing anymore. Even if you tried, you just, you just bloat the box. Two thousand and eleven. The year you've been waiting for all your life. And it's gonna happen in part because you stepped out of the boat, you broke out of your box, and you're in the miracle zone. Stand with me, will you? <laughs> 